the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Mr. President, if I may. Yes, please. A short while ago, you told me that you thought I might be the future of the party. Now, I know that these are tough times and uh, the future is uncertain, but I'm very pleased to think that I might be able to help make things a little smoother. The future, yes. Well, um, there is one thing quite certain about the future. What's that? <coughs> Sir, you have the right to remain silent. Fred. I have to read him his rights. Fred, the governor, he knows his rights. You know your rights, right, Jack? You don't have to humiliate him. The girl, you know what she was? What girl? The girl in the river, Jack. She was a paralegal. Uh, before that. She was military. 14 golf. We, uh, we found the money that you put in her account at the Bellagio in Vegas. $200,000. And the... Uh, that ad in... Uh, soldier of Fortune. Yeah, Soldier of Fortune. I don't mind confessing. I am at a total loss. Shelley, he paid her to go off the bridge. He paid her to save her. <laughs> Listen, we respect you. We're trying to make this go as smoothly as it possibly can for you. I know you meant no harm. Who doesn't want a shortcut to greatness? <laughs> Welcome to the main event. Happy St. Patrick's Day. That uh, that song was the Dropkick Murphys, the Warriors Code. I thought a little uh, Irish Irish punk rock would uh, help uh, make this uh, this the St. Patty's Day weekend a little bit more uh, feeling like like it. That movie clip I opened up with was was a movie from the Contender, the Contender, and it's a scene uh, that that touches a few different a couple of different things. Number one, it's hey, we found the money that you put in the in the uh, in the and then the account at the Bellagio. You know, hey, he, you you he paid her to save her. So uh, if you haven't seen the movie, then stop what you're doing and go watch it. Um, the Contender, and it's a uh, it's a great movie. But he, they're talking about a guy 
who uh, wants to bring his name up to the top of the list to become appointed to be vice president. And uh, so he he pays this girl to go off the bridge, uh, to drive off the bridge while he's uh, will be coincidentally just fishing there uh, where this bridge goes over this uh, lake and um, and she'll uh, and then he'll save her and he'll be a hero and he'll be he'll be in the in the top of the headline so that uh, the president Jeff Bridges can appoint him as vice president since his vice president passed away. Um, and of course the other thing hey he paid her to he paid her to save her. Uh, which we'll all reference later in the movie and le- later in the show, and also the uh, hey, we saw you put put the money in the Bellagio, so you, hey, we transfer money to the to the uh, to the Bellagio, so you can go there and stay there, and it doesn't look like we paid any money to you. Uh, kind of a the definition of money laundering. Kind of what we'll be covering next week when we talk about hey, this three million dollars came in from. Uh, from the Chinese government to this uh, corporation that Hunter Biden's a part of, and all this money transferred over to the Biden family. Uh, we don't have all the all the details yet, so we'll save that till next week. But uh, I just thought this scene was perfect. So anyway, before I go any further, I'm going to talk about all the stuff that's going on and some really important stuff to pay attention to. But before I do. Let me introduce myself. For those of you that don't know me, my name is Ed Hoffman with United American Mortgage. If you're interested in getting involved in any of the fantastic opportunities that are real estate, um, and there are fantastic opportunities, even though the rates have gone up. Remember, rates rates going up is, is designed to slow things down, and a lot of home buyers out there are, are sitting on the sidelines. Eh, I'm going to hold off until rates get back, come back down, settle down a little bit. Um, but remember that takes people out of the competition. So you have less competition bidding on your house. And when you buy a new house, you're married to the house. You're not married to the loan. So then a year from now, when the rates go down, really go down, you're out of it. And of course, when that happens, the competition for these houses will go up. So instead of paying an extra hundred dollars a month on your, on your loan for a year, you pay an extra 25 or $50,000 for the house. So uh, think about that. Think about when when you're ready to buy a house and it's and the time is right, then uh, then buy your house and don't wait for the rates to come down. You'll refinance when the rates come down. Uh, but if you want, but if you want some help with that, call me toll free at eight five five six four zero twenty twenty. That's eight five five six four zero twenty twenty. One last time, dear night, toll free area code eight five five six four zero twenty twenty. If you want to get in touch with me, but you don't want to talk on the phone, uh, you just like to get. Get some uh, some advice, but I don't really want to talk on the phone yet. I will deal with emails. Go to edhoffman.net. Click on the United American Mortgage logo. Uh, that'll take you to my lending page, and you can put in as much information as you want me to have. Tell me how much information you want back. You'll hear from myself or one of my talented teammates. We'll help you find the missing pieces to your real estate financing puzzle. Whether that and uh, if you're interested in, in refinancing a piece of property you own, or if you're interested in getting information on that reverse mortgage thing everybody's talking about, I realize uh, my demographic is probably a little older. So a lot of you guys are uh, my age or or uh, approaching my age. And uh, if you're over 62 or your spouse is over 62 and you got more equity in your house than you uh, than you have money, if you have more more life left in your more years left in your life than you have money in your bank account a reverse mortgage can uh can help you uh, help you with that um okay so if you have a comments on the radio sent comments on my show send me an email to ed, ed at ed hoffman.net 
Um, I think that's all I need to do. Let's talk about the bank bailout. Let's talk about the 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 400 pound gorilla in the room. So if you spent the last 15 years wondering when we might see another big bank failure like we saw in 2008, uh, well, wonder no more because that day was here a few days ago, and the Biden administration is ready to bail them out after the after the Democratic donors who make up their boards demanded that the federal government give them their support. So how did that? How did all this happen? Most of us have never heard of Silicon Valley Bank until last week, although I did. Um, I have one of my borrowers who's who's uh, a a uh, partner in a in a uh, investment firm that banks with Silicon Valley Bank, and he's making some pretty giant dollars, and he's searching for a expensive house. And as uh, I helped him buy his first house here in California, uh, he's dealing with me. But as we get closer, he's going, "Hey, Silicon Valley Bank, because of our company's uh, assets there, they're offering me this." This rate that was like about three quarters of a point below where anybody else is, and I'm going. Are you sure? He goes. Well, there. I said because because nobody on the market is that low. He goes. Well, they're 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 doing it because of our deposit relationship. And I'm going. I have all your bank 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 account statements, and you don't deposit there, but their company does. So uh, so as he's writing an offer last weekend, I'm going. Well, I know that he's he's asked me for all the all the pre-approvals, but um, I have to compete with Silicon Valley Bank, and I just go, hey, just you might want to. I'm not sure if you have got this on the screen, but it looks like Silicon Valley Bank stock went from uh, from about three hundred dollars a share down to about a hundred dollars a share in the last three days. So don't count on don't count on that rate being there when it's time to close. So you know, let's be a little. Let's take a take all this all this uh, competitive stuff that they're putting out there with a grain of salt because they're way below market. And um, I just don't know if Silicon Valley Bank is going to survive based on how fast their stock went down. So keep that in mind as you're watching everybody else. So, uh, so since, so in this lender is serving the tech industry since 1983, holding $210 billion in assets and growing to be the 60, 16th largest bank in America with 17 branches in California and Massachusetts. Um, it provided financing for almost half of American venture-backed technology and healthcare companies. So all these, uh, all these new companies coming out, they got these new apps. They got these new, uh, new investment strategies. They're investing in, in, uh, in uh, uh, crypto or whatever the newest lending thing is. And uh, they go to Silicon Valley Bank uh, to to uh, get their money. So things were things were smooth sailing when the bank invested their depositors' funds in long-term bonds and mortgage-backed securities, while interest rates were low. But when the Fed raised interest rates last year in response to the inflation, three things happened: the value of those long-term bonds eroded, tanking the investments of SV, SVB depositors. So, in other words, they they uh, they are investing in in uh, long-term bonds and mortgages in the two and three percent range. So, and think of this like a certificate of deposit. You you tie up your money in the certificate of deposit. So you got your money in the bank when they're not paying anything, and you you tied up your money on a one year one year certificate of deposit or a two year or a five year, and so you're getting a, a percent and a half because that was probably the best you could get a year ago at the bank. But now, now you're seeing four four percent out there 
in savings accounts and you're saying, man, I want to move my money, but I'm going to lose money if I pull the money out before the, before the deadline. So your money's tied up. The new interest rates are higher than that. The money that you're bar and in the case of the bank, they're borrowing money at higher rates than what they're getting on the on the money they've got tied up, and it's a losing it's a losing uh, equation there. Borrow rate, borrowing rates went up when uh, which drained the momentum of the tech stocks that benefited the bank. So these uh, uh, these companies that were the companies that were uh, getting money from SVB. Um, SVB stopped getting money from hedge funds um, because the venture venture capital dried up and now they have to start using their own money. So the venture capital began drying up, forcing startups to draw down their funds held by the bank. Um, and as long as, so as long as the venture capital uh, hedge funds are not giving money to the bank, the bank doesn't have money to lend out and the money they have is tied up in low interest and the Fed is raising the interest rates faster and faster and faster and nobody has time to adjust to this so think about this had when inflation started going up the federal reserve should have started raising rates really slow you know when you start when when biden gets into office he turns off all the oil production gas prices go up gas prices affect your budget they affect the budget of the of all the companies that ship their uh, their their uh, their goods to to uh, to the market, so manufacturers are making cereal. They're cutting crops. They're manufacturing products, and they stick them on trucks and they stick them on trains to get them to market. And the cost of that fuel affected everybody. And and shortly thereafter, it affected our prices at the stores. It affects the the price at the gas pump. It affects the price of everything. It affects the uh, you know what it costs what it costs to run businesses and it cost and what it costs to run our households. Um, I've mentioned this before, but we saw our utility bills go up, our natural gas bills specifically in this cold winter, um, gone up tenfold for a lot of people. So it's affecting everybody, and of course, everybody needs more money for that. And but the bank doesn't have it and their money's tied up in in low interest bonds and they have to and then when they're borrowing it they're borrowing it at a higher rate so hey i'm borrowing money so typically how a bank works they get your deposits they pay you uh 0.000000 interest on it but they're lending it out in credit cards at 18 percent. they're lending it out in car loans at five percent they're lending it to other businesses at five percent now They've got to, and they've got some of their money tied up in in uh, in long term bonds. But now the bonds are at two percent. They're lent and and they're not able to, and they're borrowing money at five percent. I'm trying to oversimplify this so you can see what's happening there. You know, you you wanna you wanna buy low and sell high, but now they're buying high and selling low. And as long as they're not, as long as they're nobody's pulling out their money. It's okay. It's just a. It's just a. Uh, it's a paper loss. It's not a real loss. But then all of a sudden, everybody starts wanting to pull their money out. Now they have to recognize the loss, and their stocks, their stock prices start going low. So let me uh, let me go back to my script um, and and see if it's any clearer. Uh, as a result, stakeholders like venture capital investors and startup founders started panicking, pulling their money out of SVB. And telling companies they did business with to do the same. 
communicating in, in private groups on WhatsApp and Slack. It was a perfect storm that stripped the bank of solvency uh, in a matter of days. Last Wednesday on March 8th, SVB announced it had sold $21 billion worth of securities at a $1.8 billion after-tax loss, which means that's probably about a $2.5 billion, billion dollar pre-tax loss, and that it's urgently needing to raise $2.25 billion uh, dollars to stay solvent for its account holders. So again, it, uh, it loses all this money because they have to liquidate. They have to liquidate, so they have to show these losses. It's kind of like... Kind of like in 2008, if you bought a house at 400000 and you put and you put a, a zero down, you bought 100% financing in 2008, and, uh, and you have a $400,000 house that you paid, that you owe $400,000 on, and the value of the house drops down to 200000 it's still your house. It's still your house. You're paying mortgage on it. It's just not, it's just not worth what you owe on it. Well, that's a, that's a loss on paper, but you don't recognize it until you sell the house. So as long as you, what I was doing in 2008, telling you guys, Hey, your house is worth 200,000, but you owe 400,000. Don't mess up your credit. It's still your house. Keep making your payments. Assuming that you can keep making your payments and instead take advantage of everybody else losing, losing their houses and buy some rental houses at a hundred thousand. And when your house goes back up to 400,000, your hundred thousand dollar rental houses will go up to 300,000. And all of a sudden you've got nine rental houses. You've got a $1.8 million in assets and now you're a millionaire. And meanwhile, you're, you're making $500 a month, positive cash flow on the house, uh, every month. So, so consider that. You know, it's a paper loss until you have to sell it. So if you didn't sell your house, you didn't didn't lose that. But they didn't have to sell the bonds until everybody wanted to pull out their money. So all of a sudden, now it's not a loan, no longer a paper loss; it's a real loss. And as and as uh, some of these venture capital venture capitalists are pulling their money out, they're telling all their friends that also do business with SVB, "Hey, beware! You should pull your money out of this bank. They're going to get hit." And of course, what's different from SVB to some of the bigger banks? One little thing, one little thing. But realize all the bank, all the banks are kind of in the same situation. Um, but it was worse for SVB and Signature Bank because they have all these, all these uh, investors. Ninety-seven percent of all their all their account holders had more than two hundred fifty thousand dollars in them. They don't have people with ten thousand in savings and uh, a two thousand in their checking account there because those people aren't paying as close of attention to this and they can't really afford to 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 change course so that's you know Wells Fargo Bank of America Citibank Chase that's how their accounts are set up the majority of of their account holders are people under under 250,000 say hey I'm I'm insured so I'm not panicking I'm not pulling my money out um and so they don't have a run on the bank at those banks but SVB on the other hand they were they were big business big business account holders, big venture capitalists, big big investors that are savvy, and that have a lot more to protect. And they made a move on the bank that killed it. The market reacted sharply, and SVB lost over 160 billion dollars in value in 24 hours. SVB stock tanked 60 percent and led to a loss of more than 80 billion dollars in, in bank shares globally. 
So, like I said, I noticed that on you know over 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 last week, like between Wednesday and Friday, it went from three hundred dollars a share to a hundred dollars a share. And I just said, hey, keep an eye on this, keep an eye on this because I wouldn't count on SVB making good on that uh, on that commitment to that lower rate that uh, nobody else has. As the word started spreading publicly on now, now it's not just on WhatsApp; it's on Twitter. More account holders moved quickly to withdraw their money from from Silicon Valley Bank. The domino effect was was what's known as a run on the bank. Everybody's trying to get their money out. So I mentioned I, I, I've mentioned if you've read my book, I mentioned the uh, Robert Kiyosaki's book, Rich Dad's Prophecy. So in there, Rich Dad, Rich Dad, his which is his buddy Mike's dad that was giving uh, both uh, Robert and Mike, his friend Mike, uh, advice on how to think about money. Um, he talked about uh, ERISA, uh, the ERISA, the Employee Retirement Investment Securities Act um, that came out in the 70s and how they were having people invest in stocks for their retirement, but they wouldn't give you investment advice. And they said, hey, when in 2016, when the baby boomers start turning 70 and you start having to pull your money out, because when you've got money in, in your retirement accounts, by the time you hit 70 and a half, you start having to pull 4 or 5% per year out systematic. And that it's a bunch of small, a bunch of small uh, withdrawals. But because the baby boomers uh, were hitting 70, there's so many of them that you're going to start seeing money coming out of the stock market. And you're going to see the stock market start to slow down, start to drop. And everybody else stacked up behind them is going to panic, which is which didn't actually happen because in 2016 we had something else happen. Trump got elected and all of a sudden the stock market went crazy because they because we had a business friendly person in the White House. So this is very similar to that. So instead of uh, tons of baby boomers hitting retirement, seeing the stock market starting to go down, you've got a ton of uh, speculative investors that have their have their investment money in, in Silicon Valley Bank and they're all talking to each other. They're all in the same groups on Facebook and the same groups on on uh, WhatsApp and the and the same groups in Twitter and they're and they're communicating with each other, saying, "Hey, heads up! Silicon Valley Bank's in trouble. Pull your money out." Which made the domino effect, the run on the bank, and that's that's mostly what happened. Since the banks only carry a portion of their depositors' money in cash, called a fractional reserve, the rest was held in long-term bond investments that were no longer worth worth much. SVB couldn't give the account holders their money. So last Friday on March 10th, Silicon Valley Bank was closed by California Department of, F- of Financial Protection. The regulator appointed to uh, appointed the FDIC as the receiver, and the FDIC created a bridge bank transfer for all insured depositors, uh, uh, all insured deposits of account holders, uninsured depositors, which was 97% of them, every, anything over 250,000, would get an advanced dividend and a receivership certificate for their uninsured funds. So hey, you're not getting you're not getting your funds out, but when this when this uh bank goes into receivership, you get a certificate so you get your funds first before before some of the other creditors. Now we keep hearing from Biden administration that this isn't a bank bailout. Listen to what they've what they've promised and decide for yourself. Um on Sunday, March 12th, the Federal Reserve the Treasury Department and the FDIC bowed to stakeholders' pressure by announcing they would guarantee that all depositors in Silicon Valley Bank and Signature Bank would be repaid in full. So, if people, uh, so if people about 
about to lose money are people that donate to the Democrat Party. We can't let them lose their money because we'll lose our investors. So what are we to, what are we to do? So all of a sudden they stepped up. The Fed also announced it would offer bank banks loans against their treasuries and offer asset holdings, treating those securities as though they were worth the original value, even though the market value on these bonds are now completely eroded. So in other words, hey, we're going to make sure that you look good on paper, even though you're losing money. And the cherry on top, the FDIC was offered 8,500 employees of Silicon Valley Bank an additional 45 days of employment. Why? Your company just went out of business. So since the federal government's taken it over, we're just going to give these people money for 45 more days. Why? When a company goes is going out of business, or when, think about all these tech stocks that laid off so many people, uh, Google laid off tons of people, Meta, the parent company for Facebook, uh, they, they laid off like 10,000 people a couple of months ago. They laid off 10,000 more um, this week. And those people don't get 45 more days. When the company finally figures out that, hey, we're losing money, we got to lay some people off, they get laid off. Go stand in line at the unemployment department. So this sounds like a bailout to me. Here's Biden's victory lap on Monday when he assured America that this won't happen to other banks throughout the country and claiming that the taxpayers won't be on the hook for this bailout. Today, thanks to the quick action of my administration over the past few days, Americans can have confidence that the banking system is safe. Your deposits will be there when you need them. Small businesses across the country, the deposit accounts at these banks can breathe easier knowing they'll be able to pay their workers and pay their bills. Let me also assure you, we will not stop at this. We'll do whatever is needed. No losses will be borne by the taxpayers. Instead, the money will come from the fees that banks pay into the deposit insurance fund. Yeah, I got lots of comments on that on that uh, on that clip. But I'm all out of time for this half of the uh, half of the main event. So stay tuned for five minutes traffic, weather, and commercials and sports, and we'll be right back with. I think I'll replay this clip and we'll revisit all all of what Biden just said. Hi, this is Ed Hoffman with United American Mortgage. If you've heard my show, the main event, or read my book, Experience Matters. Here's mine. Then you know that I think like you do, and that's what you want when you're looking for someone to advise you on real estate financing. Whether you're thinking of financing a piece of property you'd like to own or refinancing a piece of property you already own. Or if you or your spouse are over 62 and you'd like to find out more about that reverse mortgage thing that everyone is talking about. And whether that property is in California or another state where you'd like to go to escape California, I can help you find the solution that's right for you and in step with your short-term and long-term plans. Call me toll-free at 855-640-2020. That's 855-640-2020. One last time, day or night. Toll-free area code 855-640-2020. Or go to edhoffman.net and click on the United American Mortgage logo. Ed Hoffman, NMLS ID number 9921. United American Mortgage Corporation, NMLS ID number 1942. United American Mortgage Corporation is an equal housing lender and licensed by the California Department of Real Estate. AM 590, the answer. You were born a box in the city that's seen the Welcome back to part two of the main event. My name is Ed Hoffman with United American Mortgage. 
I don't uh, talk about mortgages and, uh, and finance very much on the radio. Well, today I'm talking about banking. Um, but if you're interested in getting in and in getting involved in any of the fantastic opportunities that are real estate, you need financing. Call me toll free at 855-640-2020. That's 855-640-2020 or go to edhoffman.net. Click on the United American Mortgage logo. Whether that's uh, whether you need help with uh, purchasing a piece of property you'd like to own or uh, refinancing a piece of property you already own or looking into one of them reverse mortgage things, 855-640-2020 or uh, edhoffman.net. Click on United American Mortgage logo. So uh, before the break, we've been talking about the bank, the bank collapse of of, uh, Silicon Valley Bank and Signature Bank um, in addition to uh, a third bank which is a Swiss bank, Credit Suisse. So before the uh, break, I played this clip, uh, Joe Biden trying to sound like he's saving the day. Today, thanks to the quick action of my administration over the past few days, Americans can have confidence that the banking system is safe. Your deposits will be there when you need them. Small businesses across the country, the deposit accounts at these banks can breathe easier knowing they'll be able to pay their workers and pay their bills. Let me also assure you, we will not stop at this. We'll do whatever is needed. No losses will be borne by the taxpayers. Instead, the money will come from the fees that banks pay into the deposit insurance fund. Hey, you know, uh, one little piece of a uh, piece of a uh, fact that popped into my head um, earlier earlier today while I was reviewing my notes. You know, Joe Biden ran for president uh, in 1988 and 2008. And uh, and the reason that he never got any traction was because people know he's a liar. If it's, you know when you know when you know when uh, when uh, Joe Biden is lying is when his lips are moving. So um, and he, and nothing's changed. I quite frankly I don't know how all the Democrats got behind Joe Biden uh, in 2020. So uh, so he's lying. So when he says that this is all going to be this is not going to come from the taxpayers. It's going to come from the fees that banks pay to the FDIC for the insurance fund. Where do the, where do the banks get the money to pay those fees? Hmm. From the fees that we pay the banks to have our bank accounts there and the fees that they charge us on credit cards and the fees they charge us on, on uh, car loans and the fees that they charge us on mortgages. And so do you think this is not going to be borne by the, uh, by the taxpayers. Hey, we didn't raise tax, but we cut off oil production. So we're not raising taxes. We're just cutting off oil production. And, uh, and what did that do to the, uh, to the citizens? Price of our gas went up. Price of our food went up. Price of our utilities went up. Everything went up. But that's not a tax. He just screwed our, uh, our cost of living. And uh, now, we can't, now we can't afford things. There's no difference than no difference in that in just raising taxes. Oh yeah, but but in that case, if he just raises taxes, only half the people have to pay it. But when he does it, when he does it, it affects everybody. So if you have a bank account, you can be assured that you're paying for this. Um, and you know, and that's not the full story. That's not the full story. So from the Wall Street Journal, the FDIC's deposit insurance fund normally guarantees up to two hundred fifty thousand dollars in deposits which protects small retail customers. Banks pay for this guarantee with insurance premiums, but the insurance fund is not intended to backstop deposits of bigger bigger customers with more capacity to weather losses if the bank goes under. So guys with a million dollars in the bank can afford can afford to can more afford to take losses if they don't get all their money out. 
for some reason. But the guys that got uh, 10000 in savings and 2000 in checking, um, it wipes them out. So we have the FDIC to insure the 250000 If you've got more than that, you spread it out among amongst more banks or you realize you're taking a risk. And that's part of the part of the uh part of the part of the game when you're when you're when you're rich. Um yet another yet after venture capitalists, also known as Democrat Democratic donors, and Silicon Valley politicians howled, the FDIC announced it would cover uninsured deposits at SVP and Signature Bank under its systematic risk exception. In other words, the Biden administration has decided that these two banks somehow are too big to fail. Why are they too big to fail? Because the people that have their money there donate to the Democratic Party. The article goes on to explain how guaranteeing the risk, the risk-free return on the uninsured deposits will cost up to $15 billion. It concludes, bank customers with less than $250,000 in deposits will indirectly pay for this through higher bank fees. Basically what I just said. In other words, this is an income transfer from the average Americans to deep-pocketed investors, also known as Democrat voters. So realize that, hey, the taxpayers won't pay this is just a line. It's just a line of BS. It has nothing to do with reality. Here's Kevin O'Leary's, uh, Kevin O'Leary, also known as Mr. Wonderful, from ABC Shark Tank, with an analogy that makes it simple. So just think about it. I'd like to keep this very simple. I'm a bank manager in a bank today after this new policy decision, and I get compensated on the value of my bank's stock. You just told me I could take all the depositors' money, go to Las Vegas, put it on red. Maybe I double it. Maybe I lose it all. But it doesn't matter to me because you, the taxpayer, and the government guarantee all my depositors. As long as I play by the rules that we have now and the football rules of banking, I get to go crazy. Exactly. So you know what? Uh, millionaires, millionaires. Um, I guess. I guess being one of those guys with high assets, I guess I should be making de- uh, donations to the Democrat Party uh, because then I know they'll protect me if I ever lose money. Um, the problem is that most of us conservatives, we don't speculate. We don't make investments like that. We earned our money the 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 old-fashioned way. We earned it, and we we made uh, conservative investments that paid off at some point. We're not looking to get rich quick, and we value we value money. And so, because of that, we're more conservative about where we put our money, and we don't donate to the Democrat Party. We don't put guys like Biden in office, and we don't put put people like Eric Swallowell or uh, Nancy Pelosi. We don't put people that that just squander our tax dollars because we pay taxes. We make sure that we want people like Trump in there that treats our tax fund like it's his own fund. Say, hey, you know what? Uh, first thing he got in there is he canceled the uh, canceled the the order that Obama or Bush put in. For uh, for the new Air Force One, and said, wait, 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 Lockheed. I think Lockheed built it, or Boeing said, hey, why are we paying so much for this for this airplane? Why are we paying so much for this? Why are we giving money to these countries, and why are we uh, participating in this big uh, trade de- trade dis- uh, deficit with China and all these other company- countries? This isn't fair. And he treated our tax fund, our and our and our economy like it's part of his company. 
which is how, which is what I think the president is supposed to do. So uh, remember, all SVP employees, SVB employees, are not high and dry. They're getting an additional forty-five days of employment out of this deal. And who's paying for that? Well, not the taxpayers. Well, I guess the taxpayers are paying it. Uh, they also received their annual bonuses on March 10th, just hours before the bank was seized. Those bonuses reportedly ranged from $12,000 to $140,000, depending on what position you had. An anonymous SVB spokesman told CNBC that the bank has historically paid employees bonuses on the second Friday of March. And this time, it just happened to fall on the day, uh, day before the government took over the bank. So... Let's think about this. You give annual bonuses to your employees as a portion of your profits. When you're not making a profit, and of course the interest rate started going up one year ago, the Fed started raising, we just passed the one year mark this past week since the Fed started raising interest rates one year before, one year after they should have started raising them slowly. They raised them fast. The bank, the banking, uh, the head of the bank, of course, these people weren't really bankers, uh, but the head of the, the heads of the banks knew they were losing money. May have been on paper, or maybe it wasn't. Maybe it wasn't something that showed up on paper, but they knew their bank was losing money. So they should have known there weren't any profits, and they shouldn't. And they should have said, "Hey, we're not giving out bonuses this year because we're losing money, and that'll change next year when the when the rates come down." So, with that in mind. Despite how quickly this all happened, there are signs that executives saw it coming and took steps to protect themselves personally. According to the SEC filing, Silicon Valley Valley Bank CEO Greg Becker sold $3.6 million worth of his SVB stocks on February 27th. CNBC reports that the chief financial officer, uh, Daniel Beck, and the chief marketing officer, Michelle Draper, also sold their Silicon Valley Bank shares as well. So you see that you see this coming, you know the bank's in trouble, but you still paid all these bonuses out to eighty five hundred employees, which ranged from twelve thousand. So if it was just twelve thousand, let's say it was ten thousand per employee, which it was higher than that. That's uh eighty five hundred times ten thousand. So that's eighty five hundred, that's eight and a half million, that's like uh eight and a half billion dollars. It's a big number. It's a big number. I didn't do my I didn't do my uh, math before I uh, before I started recording, so we'll just leave it at that. They saw it coming. They know the bank's in trouble. Let's pay our employees. Let's not worry about our depositors. Let's not worry about our stockholders. Let's pay our employees. That's a bunch of BS. So while we're talking about BS, let's talk about what kind of excuses they're making. The timing of Biden's announcement early Monday morning makes you wonder why is this so important to get out there follow. And we'll follow the money. Since, so since 2016, employees and various political action committees affiliated with Silicon Valley Bank and Signature Bank, in addition to a third institution that's currently on the verge of collapse, uh, the Swiss Bank Credit Suisse, donated nearly $1.2 million to the Democrats, according to OpenSecrets.com. All three banks spent big to defeat uh, Trump in 2020, collectively giving almost $200,000 to the Biden campaign compared to less than 18,000. So these employees given their little little deposits, they they gave over 2 they gave almost $200,000 to Biden and the few uh conservatives that that donated to Trump less than 18,000 bucks. 
These banks have donated almost $90,000 to the DNC and tens of thousands to the campaigns of Democrats like Chuck Schumer, Joe Manchin, Mark Warner of Virginia, John Tester of Montana, and Mark Kelly of Arizona. Silicon Valley Bank's board of directors also included Hillary Clinton mega donor Kate Mitchell. She's the one we keep hearing about that had to go to pray to the Shinto shrine when Trump was elected. Napa Valley vineyard mogul and loyal Nancy Pelosi donor Garen Staglin, and Obama's Undersecretary of, for Domestic Finance, Mary J. Miller, who helped to implement the Dodd-Frank, during, the Dodd-Frank law during the, her time in the administration. In fact, there are very few actual bankers on the board of Silicon Valley Bank. So now we know why the president pulled himself out of bed early on Monday to make this announcement. Take it from uh, his former press secretary, Circleback Saki. This is not normal behavior for Joe Biden. It's important to note, President Biden does nothing at 9 a.m. He is a night owl. So the fact that he is doing this at 9 a.m. anyway speaks to how uh, vital the White House recognizes it is for him to have his voice out there conveying that to the American public. So Circleback Saki thinks she's uh, she's boosting up, uh, making uh, Biden look good. But those of us logically thinking people uh, hear that say, hey, he's. He's a night owl, so uh, so he's awake when everyone else has gone home. There's nothing to do but eat chocolate chip ice cream and watch late night TV. So uh, so he doesn't get up early to get at it while everybody else is working. As for Signature Bank, who sat on their board? There's w- only one name we need to know: former Congressman Barney Frank. So here he is in 2005. Let's see if you remember this. But those who argue that housing prices are now at the point of a bubble seemed to me to be missing a very important point. Unlike previous examples we have had where substantial excessive inflation of prices later caused some problems, we are talking here about an entity, home ownership, homes, where there is not the degree of leverage that we have seen elsewhere. This is not the dot-com situation. We have problems with people having invested in business plans for which there was no reality. The people building fiber optic cable for which there was no need. Homes that are occupied may see an ebb and flow in the price at a certain percentage level. But you're not going to see the collapse that you see when people talk about a bubble. Yeah, because there's not the degree of leverage as in the dot-coms as there, were, as there are in houses. Except for remember back then we were people were buying houses with nothing down, so the degree of leverage there was no leverage on the uh, on the side of the homeowners. Homeowners were going in with with uh, no skin in the game. All the all the uh, leverage was coming in from the banks, and since the banks uh, made money so easy to get, they drove up the price of the of the houses. So it was exactly like the dot com bubble because. The banks were putting up all the money, and they were creating the environment that the prices of houses were going were skyrocketing. Just like when the government makes guaranteed student loans available, they drove up the price of university. And so when we see all these people stuck with these student loans and we want to put it on the taxpayers, you should go back to the universities and get all that money back. And, uh, and in this case, uh, he's saying, hey, we don't have the same thing as the, stock, as the dot-com bubble we had exactly the same thing as a dot com bubble. Here's another. Here's another uh, little uh, comment from Barney Frank and uh, his brilliant insights. This one is from three years later in 2008. 
Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac are two of the very important tools that we have. And there are people I know who are critical of the arrangements that we have. I think it is clear that Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac are sufficiently secure so they are in no great danger. For once, Congress is getting out ahead of, of a problem. Yeah, so Fannie Mae and, Fre- and Freddie Mac are sufficiently secure. We don't have to worry about them because they're, they're, they're uh, sufficiently secure. Sounds to me kind of like something we heard earlier from the president. Americans can have confidence that the banking system is safe. Yeah, and you can take that with a with a grain of salt as well. The circumstance uh, is basically the same for all the banks, uh, with the exception of Silicon Valley and Signature Bank, um, is a little bit a little bit more because you because of the type of people that had their their money there. But take that all with a grain of salt, and don't listen to the BS that Biden's putting out there, or uh, or or Janet Yellen who can't even figure out she ought. ought She's smarter than this, but she's too old to to stand up to uh, to Joe Biden. And so, whatever the Biden administration tells her to tell the tell the American people, she'll say. And by now, we've all heard Biden blaming Trump, who's been out of office for two years, for the collapse of these banks. Somehow connecting it to Trump scaling back portions of the Dodd Frank law in 2018. During the Obama Biden administration, we put in place tough requirements on banks like Silicon Valley Bank and Signature Bank, including the Dodd-Frank law to make sure that the crisis we saw in 2008 would not happen again. Unfortunately, the last administration rolled back some of these requirements. Yeah, they, re- they uh, rolled back some of the requirements, um, as they should have, because Dodd-Frank was an overreach that, that created, I'll tell you that for mortgage companies, I owned Wholesale Capital, and... The last piece of Dodd-Frank that got implemented for mortgage companies was was TRID, the TILA RESPA Integrated Disclosure, uh, which caused us to have to add about a million dollars a year to my small company, a uh, million dollars a year in overhead for a disclosure department and a, and a compliance department and extra software, and it cost me an extra million dollars a year. And uh, after a few years of that, I just said, okay, this doesn't make any sense anymore. And that's what Dodd-Frank did. Um, so in 2018, Trump eased it off a little bit, had nothing to do with this bank failure. This all had to do with with not moving fast enough. Number one, cutting off energy, energy production, which affected all these industries and all the prices uh, and uh, the we started inflation. Inflation caused the the Fed to start start uh, increasing rates. And the Fed waited a year because they were telling us it was transitory. I think this is transitory. We don't have to worry about inflation coming up. I think this is transitory. So they didn't start a year earlier and start it slowly. You know, a quarter point here and a quarter point there. And let's start off. Let's start slowing things down a little bit uh, while this is happening. And then when they started raising it, they had to raise them so fast that it put banks in trouble. They couldn't react to it fast enough. This is all a result of Joe Biden and Joe Biden's policies. And, you know, the Democrat, the whole Democrat plan to uh, to rid us of of anything that that affects climate change and then don't admit that we're that we cause problems and don't don't turn them around. This is all on Biden. So anyway, let's uh, let's go. I got a few minutes left. Let's talk about the new Tony Fauci. As you know, Lord God, Tony Fauci is retired now, but that's not stopping him from intervening in a medical emergency. That's right. Tony Fauci saved someone's life. Eh, Or did he? From TMZ. TMZ said, Dr. Fauci, woman collapses as 
is there a doctor in the house? Dr. Fauci to the rescue. Dr. Fauci helped save the day for some woman who went down during a fancy dinner in D.C., and someone caught part of, it, part of the action on camera. The nation's most prominent doctor was one of the bigwigs at the Black Tie Gridiron Dinner Saturday. Why was he there? This is a thing for politicians and uh, journalists. At some point, a lady in the crowd collapsed, injuring herself from the fall. Speechwriter Chandler Dean detailed the scary incident on Twitter. He writes, Last night at the Gridiron Dinner in D.C., a woman collapsed, hit her head on the table, and was laying on the floor without moving. People gathered trying to help, but no one was sure what to do. Someone goes, Find a doctor. And they found one. That man would be Tony Fauci himself, who's pictured crouching down in his tux, attending to the woman in need. Uh, it's not quite clear what what exactly he did to treat her, but he was certainly by her side, and it sounds like she was all right in the end. Then Chandler Dean tweeted a picture of Fauci talking to the woman, and it appears he gave her zero medical attention, but the people on Twitter ate it up. Yeah, you know what? Maybe he, uh, maybe he needed something to to uh, make his uh, his image better, so he paid her to save her. And that's just one of my theories because of that clip I used at the beginning of the show. So Lord God, Tony Fauci's hardly acting retired, going to the gridiron dinner and showing up on our TVs once again. On Sunday, he was on CNN Newsroom with Jim Acosta to chime in on what we learned a few weeks ago, that much of the intelligence community supported the lab leak theory back in 2020. And when, we're, when we were told they didn't, hmm... What's changed here? Mr. I am the science is all chilled out now saying that when it comes to the origins of COVID, we should just keep an open mind. I must say that we all must keep an open mind, Jim, about this for sure, because nothing has been definitively proven. The thing that's important is that if you look at the available data, not just surmising or tweeting or guessing, but just look at the data, a group, a fairly large group, a very well-respected evolutionary virologist have examined the epidemiological, virological, geospatial data from Wuhan and have come to the conclusion that it is much more likely that it is a natural occurrence from an animal to a human. However, since it hasn't been definitively proven, we've got to keep a completely open mind. We really need to get all the facts so that we can prevent this from happening again in the future. Yeah, Fauci then said that if the lab leak was real, there's a new way it could have happened. Try to make sense of this new theory. You've said you're open to the uh, evidence wherever it goes. Has your thinking on this evolved at all? Did you start off as, oh, no, it's, it's definitely natural causes, and now you're thinking, well, maybe it might be a lab leak? You know, Jim, I've kept an open mind throughout the entire process. A lab leak could be that someone was out in the wild, maybe looking for different types of viruses and bats, got infected, went into a lab, and was being studied in the lab, and then it came out of the lab. But if that's the definition of a lab leak, Jim, then that still is a natural occurrence. The other possibility is someone takes a virus from the environment that doesn't actually spread very well in humans and manipulates it a bit, and accidentally it escapes or accidentally infects someone, and then you get an outbreak. Those are the possibilities when you're talking about lab leaks. But are, are there any accounts of that occurring where one might say, okay, well, there, there we go. Perhaps this is it. This is what happened. No. Yeah, in other words, uh, uh, it could happen, Yeah, and monkeys might fly out of my butt. 
So uh, anyway, there's lots more I could say, but I'm all out of time for this episode of the main event. So people, keep your eyes open, keep your mind working, and uh, key, and just be aware of what's going on out there. There's lots of uh, there's probably probably some grim stuff on the horizon. Uh, be careful. Anyway, uh, my name's Ed Hoffman. Thanks for listening to the main event, and I'll be back again with lots more next week. Hi, this is Ed Hoffman with United American Mortgage. If you've heard my show, The Main Event, or read my book, Experience Matters, Here's Mine, then you know that I think like you do, and that's what you want when you're looking for someone to advise you on real estate financing. Whether you're thinking of financing a piece of property you'd like to own, or refinancing a piece of property you already own, or if you or your spouse are over 62 and you'd like to find out more about that reverse mortgage thing that everyone is talking about, and whether that property is in California or another state where you'd like to go to Escape California, I can help you find the solution that's right for you and in step with your short-term and long-term plans. Call me toll-free at 855-640-2020. That's 855-640-2020. One last time, day or night, toll-free area code 855-640-2020. Or go to edhoffman.net and click on the United American Mortgage logo. Ed Hoffman, NMLS ID number 9921. United American Mortgage Corporation, NMLS ID number 1942. United American Mortgage Corporation is an equal housing lender and licensed by the California Department of Real Estate. AM 590, the answer. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.